being here. We are a bit like Ryan Eyre. We know that you have other choices. But we do thank you for flying with Vineyard Church, Dungannon. And the toilets are free, and uh, you can bring an extra bag. So, it's all good. So, good morning, and uh, happy Father's Day again. Every, it's, it's, I want to talk about Father's Day, but I want to give a talk for everybody as we continue on. So, I'm trying to do three th- things today, and I hope I can do one thing well. So, I want to, first of all, salute the dads in this place in Vineyard Church in Gannon. Uh, every father's a son. We have to remember that. Every father is a son means that we hold past promises, and at the same time, uh, in our hands, we have possibilities for a future generation. Does that make sense? So we're taking the past in our hands and we're also holding the future promises that we can leave on to other people. And so there's really, uh, it's a, it's, it's, we can never underestimate the significance of a father's impact. Never, never. And, uh, you know, Jesus came to do a lot of things and I keep constantly trying to remind us of that. He came to die for us, to, to set humanity free. He came to, uh, yeah, deliver people out of captivity. He came to heal the sick and uh, came to do many things. But one of his primary purposes was to reveal the Father. John 14, he came to reveal the Father. So we never want to underestimate the significant, significance of a Father's impact. And, and beyond that impact, the impact that fathers have on a community. It's huge. And so what I want to do just this morning, just before I get into the conversation, is I want to honor the fathers this morning. And I want to say this is applicable for mums, and if you're not married, this is applicable for everybody. So it's, it's an all-encompassing morning, so relax. Don't check out of me. But I, um, we all impact. We all impact children. We all impact people in our work, in our friendships, and our roles outside of work. And so what I want to do again, um, repeat myself, but I want to honor the followers here at Vineyard this morning. Right from the start, Vineyard Church, Dungannon, I've been amazed at how God has placed great men and dads in this community of faith. Uh, they are deeply engaged and they love passionately. They are open and affectionate with their children. And it's just beautiful and wonderful to see a place that's full of men who are passionate and releasing the future onto their children. So if you're a dad this morning, if you have impact on kids, uh, would you stand this morning with us? And I want to pray a prayer and a blessing over you this morning. Just stand wherever you are. And you guys have found the great balance of discipline, haven't you? You've found boundaries and freedom to see your children fulfill their potential. Uh, I know that you read scripture to them. I know that some of you actually are terrible singers, but you do sing songs at bedtime, and I'm sure it's hilarious. But I just want to say, great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Release the potential that you hold in your hands and pass it on. So let me pray a blessing over you. Father God, I thank you for every man, every father here in Vineyard Church, Dungannon. Thank you that we are immensely blessed, and, and God, you've been so kind to this community of faith. God, given us great fathers, and we know great mothers too, but today we're, we're, we're shouting out to you, God, to bless the fathers. God, would you encourage them in the work that they do, the primary work, the primary calling to father and to, to be right at the center of the commission in Genesis, to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule, and to, to reign with you here on the earth. So God, I pray a Father's blessing on them today. Fill them with your goodness. Fill them with your kindness. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say one thing to you. You may be seated. I want to say one thing to the dads and then everybody else take it on board. Pass it on. Pass it on. It really is easy to pass on good gifts 
from a good father. Uh, my dad's gifts were, were good, therefore I find it very easy to pass them on to my boys. So we just, it's, re, it's just a natural thing for me. I don't have to think about it. I do it intuitively. Might had it, uh, a love for hearing God's voice and stepping into the supernatural. It's a gift I want to pass on to my children that they would step into the impossible, step into the supernatural, and hearing the voice of God would be their everyday ordinary. My dad was a dreamer. He, was, he courageously took hold of faith. He was a man of, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He was a good man. And I find that easy to cause my boys then to dream for their future and to be visionaries. And I want to pass that on and hope that they pass that on to you. But what if your dad never encouraged you, never instilled belief in you, affection? What if he never married or modeled a healthy marriage? What if he never gave you a, a way to hear the voice of the Spirit or stepped into the supernatural or took hold of faith? And sadly, some of us live in that world. Not all of us, but the fact is, sadly, some of you never had a good legacy passed on to you. The, 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 the good and the promise that was in his hands wasn't released to you. And now it's your turn. It's a good thing about it, being a follower of Jesus that we get a fresh start in God. It's always a turnaround moment. There's always fresh start in Jesus. It's your turn now to pass on a legacy to your children and your grandchildren. Proverbs 1.22, great verse says this. A good life gets passed on to your children's children. Isn't that a gift? Man, live a good life. Live a life worth living. Live intentionally. Suck the marrow out of life. And the good news is I've watched many followers intentionally decide to pass on a good legacy even though they weren't gifted or never had the grace of receiving one. To say that they're saying it's no longer the story of my family, it's no longer the story of my life. I've heard many of you have had friends who have a broken uh, families and broken relationships with their fathers, but they've taken the decision that enough's enough. Here starts the new legacy. Here starts the future and the promise. Maybe they never got nurtured, and so they're saying, I'm not withholding that. I'm releasing nurturing onto my children. And so you can courageously go forward. It's the beauty about Christianity. Christianity is a gift to humanity because it releases the goodness of God here on the earth. You can courageously go before the Father, your Father in heaven, and you can tell him what you don't have and watch him give you what you need. Isn't that what he does? He's, he's a good, good, good Father. He can, you can ask him for what you don't have, and he will give you what you need. James 1.17 tells me that every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there is no change, no shifting of shadow. He is not a dodgy father. There's no hidden agenda with him. He's not sneaky. He's not cryptic. He is a good, good father. With him, there is no hidden agenda. So you can go to him for what you don't have, and he'll give you what you need. Our current conversation this month is how we live the kingdom story. How we live the kingdom story. Where you live... The places where you are in your life, in your everyday ordinary, we talked about that, bringing the good news of the kingdom of heaven, releasing the sound of heaven here on earth, bringing the reality of that kingdom prayer that we are both the, we're both the, 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 the people that give the prayer and we're also the target of the prayer when we say your kingdom come. And so we also talked about living the kingdom story where you, where you work. And it's so, so important that God is in your workplace, that you have a ministry to your work and you have a ministry off work. And God has also given some of you a ministry to your work where you can equip and encourage people and bring them into freedom and see them uh, thrive and to excel in what they're doing. And this morning, I want to give you another one, and it's a pass it on for everybody. It's from your heavenly father. 
We're a church movement that is birthed with the idea that you and I can bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's our legacy. That's what we're about, Vineyard Church in Ghana. And that entails a lot of things. Salvation, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, bringing joy, healing, deliverance. It's our job to bring the sound of heaven to here and earth. So that everywhere we go, the sound of heaven is not just heard but felt. That it reverberates in our community and every corner of society where we are. Does that make sense to you? And so that's our job. Every one of you get to bring the good news of heaven and bring impact to the world. And so to live the story of the, of the good news of the kingdom, that is our primary job. Uh, how do we do that? How do we do that? We do it in all sorts of ways through our work, through uh, praying for people, through feeding people. But I have, a really, I have a really cool one today, and I think that all of us can engage with that. But before we do that, let me just paint the picture of the church in heaven, what it looks like in the church that's going to unfold on earth when Jesus returns. I don't know what your thinking is, but we're going to work when he returns. Isaiah tells us that. And the good thing is the ground's not going to be cursed anymore. It's going to be fruitful, and we still get to create out of something because Genesis tells us that there was gold in the land, that there was onyx and resin, and so there was materials, raw materials for us to work the garden, and that garden will be extended when Jesus returns. Revelation 21 tells us he's making a new heaven and a new earth, that God is making his dwelling place with man. And so therefore, heaven and, and earth, there, there's not much difference between those who have passed on and, and are with Jesus today than, than what we're going to find ourselves here on earth. And, and it's, not a, it's not me making this up. If you look at Scripture, there's a lot of things that tell us what we're going to do. We're going to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Try laughing, Gunners. One of my favorite quotes is Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin said, a day without laughter is a day wasted. That's theology. Scriptural, to laugh. We eat. <sighs> Will we put on weight and have heartburn? I hope not. We'll create. We keep working. We're not just going to lie about in sun loungers, though that would be nice from time to time, like the Cummingses have been doing this last two weeks in England. And we're going to worship. But the one big difference, and we've got to take this seriously, the one thing that we do, we influence here and now, is that we bring the truth and the goodness of the kingdom of God to every orphan here on the earth. And I mean orphan, I mean those who are out with outside relationship, who are outside relationship with their Father God. That's the primary purpose of the church. The function of our work is that the church here on earth is to proclaim and tell and live the good news of the kingdom of God. When Jesus walked this earth, he knew where he was, he knew who he was, he knew where he came from, he knew what he was about. It says this here, Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it says, after he was crucified they beat and beat to death, he appeared to his disciples and he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. With this, he breathed on them. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit fascinating. He could have, could have told them all sorts of things. He could have given them strategy. He could have told them, hey, don't ever forget this. This is my one part and gift to you. But the last thing that Jesus does with his disciples on earth, he breathes on them and he fills them with the power of the Spirit for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth. Isn't he kind? He doesn't leave us redundant. You're filled with the Spirit. You're called to echo, reverberate heaven here on earth. That's my introduction. Shall we pray? God, would you come and supernaturally adjust our hearts this morning towards people we know, people we come into contact with this week, Father, with the daily, with our family, our workplace, God, those who don't yet know you as the Father. God, they know religion, they know of Christianity, God, but I pray that 
this week would be a turning point in hearts and minds of those that we connect with in every sphere, God, that people would begin to get a glimpse of the good Father that you are, the kind Father, the gracious Father, oh, the ever so merciful Father, the generous Father. God, would you come? God, would you instill it in our hearts right now that we would get a glimpse, God, of how good you really are and our purpose here to live this kingdom story in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, one of the most pure and simplest ways to live the kingdom story, something that we could all pass on, every one of us, regardless of our social, economic, political background, regardless of our upbringing, whether we've been nurtured or not nurtured, whether we've been handed promises or actually handed brokenness, all of us can begin a new story here today. And I want to talk about the most evident characteristics of one of the things that was in my own father's life. I want to say that it's powerful and it should be evident in every follower of Jesus. If you're somebody today that's just journeying with Jesus, you're investigating and, and thinking Christ through, look for this evidence in the church. If you don't see it, ask why. And if you're with followers of Jesus today, you go to ask him at the end of the service, hey, is that you? Do you have that characteristic? All right, you can do that. I give you total permission to go ahead and do that today. It's powerful and should be should be in every follower. It needs to be reclaimed by Christians and made part of regular vocabulary and daily activities. You're excited, aren't you? This is gold today. Absolute gold. And all of us can be part of it. Paul wrote about it in his letters to the Romans. In his letter to the Colossians, he told the followers of Christ to wear it well. Put it on. Wear it well. Dress up. Put on your Sunday best. David, the King David from the Old Testament, he had it and he displayed it. He had it and he displayed it. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Yet someone who blew it big time. Let's just add that in there. He was a warrior. He was a poet, a musician, a military strategist. But he had this one ingredient, this characteristic that we can pass on, that should be evident, that should be revived in every Christian who calls himself a Christ follower. Everyone who follows Jesus and who lives their life under the sound and the influence of the Holy Spirit, there is one ingredient that all of us should have in our lives and it'll help us live the kingdom story in, in a good, good way. Let me read you 2 Samuel 9, 1. You'll pick up on it very quickly. The clue is, it'll be out of the bag in a few seconds. Is there anyone, David said, still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Second Samuel 9 and 3, the king asked, is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Second Samuel 9, 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. What's the what is it? It's kindness. Kindness is a powerful act that reflects our Father in heaven. Hope that doesn't bore you. I hope you don't think it's simplified. It's beautiful. Kindness is the essential to live out the kingdom story, to echo the good news of Jesus Christ here on earth. To echo heaven, kindness must always be present. God is so kind. Your heavenly Father is so kind. And so I want you to think 
of your journey towards Jesus. Those of us who have, who have journeyed with Jesus, those of us who have crossed the line of faith at one time and all, you might not have a time or a date or a day, but you have a moment in your life where it was a turning point, a turnaround season in your life where you met Jesus. And I want to ask you this question. Who were the people on your journey who showed you kindness? Seriously. And I'm hoping that it, you can act. It's, a, it's not a rhetorical question. It's actually a real question. So if you want to shout out some names this morning, this is a warm, friendly place. If they're here, they'll feel really encouraged. If they're not here, they've got nothing to lose. I want you to think around your journey, just for a few, 10 seconds. Think about your journey of faith. Who was it that journeyed with you? Who showed you kindness? Kindness through loyal love. When you give up on yourself, kindness kept putting the arm around you. Those who, who came with simple acts, who brought you things when you needed it, give you an encouraging word at a time when you thought you were never going to make it. Words that soothed your soul. The kindness of God through outrageous generosity. Who are the people that put their arms around you in your darkest moments? Who were the people when you lost all faith, when you didn't even think there was a God in heaven who brought kindness into your life? Who were those people? So let's make it easy for you. We'll all shout it at one time. So let's say, please, please, please. Don't jump the gun. I do have a plan. This side first, Ricardo, then your side. This side, where you go? Jesus. Jesus. Let's hear it again one more time. Hey? Oh, come on. Guys. All right, all right. Think about it. Have a think about it. Or else we'll we're having a moment of just introducing you to Jesus at the very end of this thing. This side. I don't think we'll do that again. But anyway, just keep moving on. <laughs> Let me take you way back, way back to the beginning, to the garden. Sound like Farm Morrison, don't they? In Genesis 1.26, the Godhead had a conversation. They dialogued. They had this, this great conversation about creation of humanity, of humankind. And they had, a, in this way, they wanted a royal reflection of their relationship. Does that make sense? They wanted a royal reflection of the relationship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had with each other. And they had this great, great idea. They said, let us make humanity in our own image, according to our likeness, male and female. And it was the pinnacle, believe it or not, of creation. Because it's the only thing that God said, this is really, really good, after you created the heavens and the earth. And, and man, the, the, the universe is beautiful, right? You, I've offended somebody in this side of the room somewhere along the line. The universe is a beautiful place, right? Yeah. I mean, thank you. Do you want to try it? Beautiful place? Yeah. There you go. They're warming up. They're warming up. And so, um, yeah, like just drive around the bush road. Like we came back from America after sabbatical, driving down the bush road. And Matthew Scott says, why on earth would you want to live anywhere else than here? And it's true, you get the weather in the most beautiful place on the place of the, of the planet, the bush. And so, but like all of that, all of that beauty, all of those beautiful places that you get to see with the naked eye, God says that we outweigh that. That we are far more attractive, that this is his ultimate design. And so you create it in the image to display royalty. And so it's best understood that us in community are represented and reflecting the God of the heavens. You think about that. If creation reflects it in a beautiful way, 
God has given us the task to reflect his image, his character, his goodness, his, his function here on earth. Every day you and I have opportunities. Every moment of the day we have opportunities where we can reflect Jesus. I don't know if I like that responsibility. It's weary, isn't it? Or we can reflect ourselves. I'm much happier doing that. I'm much better at reflecting myself. I do it badly, but I do it well at the same time. One time Michelle said it this way, that the church needs to awaken the image bearer within us. And so if we tell the kingdom story, if we, we tell and live the kingdom story, the mission to the world, we do it not through our brilliant preaching, not through our, our clever ideas, not through amazing worship, but through kindness. Through kindness. When we display and do random acts of kindness, we put God on display. Kindness is a beautiful thing. It's, it's a tired word. It's a forgotten word, but it needs to be revived. We want to see the glory of God, don't we? Yeah? Well, be kind. Be kind. Try a little kindness. Try a little kindness. Listen to how we describe God. Or listen to how God describes himself. He wants humanity to get a picture of who he is and an accurate picture of who he is. In the Old Testament, he describes himself as loving kindness, mercy, unfailing love, steadfast love. And so when he wants to reveal himself to the children of Israel, he speaks to Moses and he says this, Moses, here's what you can tell the people about me so that they can have an accurate picture of me. Let me say this before I read the text. The intensity of your love for God will never outrun the beauty of God, of the God that you envision. Let me say that again. The intensity of your love for God, how intense your love for God runs, it'll never outrun, outrun the beauty of the God you envision. What's your picture of God this morning? God the Father. Is he distant? Because you know what? If, you're, if your love is cold and, uh, and polite and, uh, and, and even reverent, you've got the wrong picture of God. Our, our intensity of, of God will never outrun our image, our imagination, our picture of who he is. And let me give you a picture, just one picture of God this morning. In Exodus 34, 6, he says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Isn't that lovely? It's a great picture of God. If you want to know what God looks like, Jesus is the exact representation of God on earth. Some people have this sort of skewed up thinking that, you know, that we, we divide Father, Son, and Holy Spirit up, don't we? And it's like they all have different personalities, and God is like, mm. maybe, sometimes we get along. But Jesus is like, hey, everything's cool with Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, well, then, oh, who knows? It's like Scooby-Doo or whatever. And, and, but it's not true. They all represent each other. They all reflect character and who they are. And so if you want to look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus sets a young woman free who's caught in the act of adultery. Do you know why that is? Let me tell you why that is. Because that's always how a father would act towards his daughter. Do you understand that? He, Jesus can't help himself do that. He can only do what he sees a father doing, right? So let's not get, let's not get weird about it or try and, uh, and, try and uh, make it s some sort of mystical thing that we can't touch or, or feel and, and make it into a, a real sort of deep God story. He's only doing what he sees a father doing. Therefore, what father wouldn't forgive their, their daughter? 
What father would not set their daughter back into freedom, back into the place of dignity, and into the place of purpose and destiny? What good father would not do that? That's what Jesus does. He just does what he sees a father do. And so that word here in, in this verse in Exodus, in verse 6, it says, love. And we miss it. Because we have lots of words for love, don't we? Like, you know, I love Liverpool. I love a Vespa. I love potato cheese and onion. And I love my wife. <laughs> but here's, here's where the thinking is not. In the kingdom, everything is upside down, right? <laughs> Recovery at its best, eh? Moving on. This side's warmed up more now. They, uh, there's, a, there's a naughtiness to this side of the room. That's what it is. It's hasid, which the Hebrew word just, it's the, the, the word that we have for in, in English is just kindness. Kindness. It's compassionate and gracious. Abounding in kindness. God is stocked up with kindness. Kindness. I mean, kindness re- regardless of the subject. Consistent kindness. Kindness in spite of the day that we're having. Or the pitiful condition of the person, the, the hasid, the hasid of God, the kindness. It's a committed kindness regardless of how you feel. You, I know it's, this is a stretch for some of us, but do you ever feel like you just don't want to be kind? Sometimes I feel like that. Am I a Christian? Sometimes the hasid leaves me. When, you know what you're a killing man lights, right? And the lights turn green. Here's what I don't get. Why do people not just realize when the light's green, you go? Well, it's just like this moment, like some people just think the light's green. Should I go? Should I not go? Oh, I should go now. And then you get up to that yellow box in the Kilimanjaro Road, and you're caught there, and, you, and, and you, if you're in the box, the Hasid has left you. <laughs> the Hasid has left your life. You're no longer feeling kindness towards the person who's left you in an embarrassing situation of being stuck in the yellow box and you, and you don't look out either side of the window because <laughs> you don't want to make contact with anybody, right? Because they will not have his seed for you. <laughs> what about a person that makes a mistake? Some people make mistakes. Like people just make mistakes and the Hasid loses its flavor. Somebody shortchanges you. You lose your seed, right? Whatever it is for you, your chosen decision is to bite your tongue and choose Hasid. Choose Hasid. Anybody lost their Hasid over the weekend? Have you, Michelle? <laughs> oh, but here's the good thing about that story. I was away all day Friday. And I was away all day Saturday. So it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> There's a guy called Abraham Helshi. Uh, he's a great 20th century Jewish Bible scholar. It's just one of my favorite quotes also. Um, It's more of a saying than a quote. He said this, When I was young, I used to admire intelligent people. As I get older, I admire kind people. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Who attracts you in your life? Think about it. Think about it. Please don't shout out again. 
that was embarrassing. The words of the scholar are wise words indeed, and yet you know it, you, you feel it, right? You can identify right away with it. You know, you admire intelligent people, you admire, see Colin, you admire um, people that are, are brilliant leaders and that, but have you ever been in a room with a brilliant leader and they just haven't been kind? And all of a sudden you think, oh, wow. I have a friend called Dave Workman. Uh, one of his traits is kindness, and he's called me a few times on it in public. And, uh, uh, but he also told me this story that I love talking about other people when they make mistakes, so <laughs> I'm going to take myself out of it because it's not all about me. And so <laughs> he had a friend who, who was um, from, um, was it Kenya? Uh, this guy was high up in the country as in politics and stuff. Very, very wealthy guy. Very well, very influential guy. And he went out to, to dinner with this guy in, in, uh, where they were in this country. And, and the guy was tired. He was just tired, but he was, the waiter came and he was just like short with a waiter. Anybody short with a waiter? Anybody ever go out for something to eat? And so he, he does this. And, and, and Dave Workman, Workman's cool. Like, he, he smokes what he sells. He, he, he calls the waiter back. And he says, my friend here has something to say to you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's saying, what do I have to say? And Dave says, you've got to say sorry. You weren't kind. This guy is a diplomat. And this guy, he's a waiter and a restaurant. He pauses, postures his heart and says, sorry. Oh, it's a story I've never forgot. It's a story I've never forgot. So when we're public with this gospel because we're a city on a hill. God never hit us. Let's be kind people. Vineyard, I don't care if you're known for, think about it, for our great Bible teaching. I think our Bible teaching is wonderful. I don't care if people know us for worship and what we do here on the stage. But I do care that when we leave these doors, that whatever time on a Sunday afternoon, that we reflect the kindness of God. Right? Because it's so, so important. Colin, you're here. I thought you'd left. Somebody left, it looked like Colin. <laughs> Apologize to that man who left, if somebody knows him. God is the source of your heart, right? And your life. So if God's a resource of your heart and your life, you can become a resource of kindness because he can put it in there for us. Every, everything you freely receive, you freely give. So we've received the love of God. We've received the mercy of God. We've also received the kindness of God. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we want to give away the love of God as in we want to present the gospel and preach the gospel. Sometimes we want to talk about grace. It doesn't feel so much like grace sometimes. But how are we giving away the resource of kindness? The resource of kindness. When I was a kid, hard to believe, my parents used to uh, monitor, me, monitor me. It was like my mother should have been FBA, KGB, Castlereagh Holding Center. I didn't know shit. I got a job in, in British intelligence or whatever. But everything I did, I got caught. But she used to have this saying, and I bet you other parents said this about me to their kids. My mom used to detect if I had my attitude had changed slightly. It's hard to believe growing up that, my, that I was a good boy. 
all my life. And so, but sometimes I did naughty things like I would take an extra biscuit or something to get there. <laughs> and my mum would say, it's not hard to know who you're hanging about with. <laughs> and probably the same for all our parents. They were probably saying, you know, when they were hanging about with me, it's not hard to know who you were hanging about with. Right? And it's, it's, it's also the same. Like I think I've said this before. When our kids were at the Bush Primary School, they used to run about with your kids, and we would know when they were running about with your kids. <laughs> so let that sink in, and let that worry bubble start in your tummy. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. Your kids are great. Some of them. No. <laughs> ah, I can't help myself today. It's Father's Day. I just feel freedom to say whatever I want. What if we were known for hanging around with Jesus instead of what we're against? I mean, I don't know about you, about social media and TV this last while, and the abortion act and all that stuff. Those are very important things to me and my belief system. Of course they are. Of course they are. But I want us to turn the tide regardless of what society says. And I want them to connect that Christians are kind people. Christians are gracious people. They, they look like Jesus. They, they smell like Jesus. They, they sound like Jesus. They, maybe that's what Jesus was like. Wouldn't it be great if that was our testimony that, hey, I'm only responsible for this house, right? I want this house to be known as a place of kindness. And I've got to say it, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm celebrating a characteristic, not trying to pick up on a problem. You guys are brilliant at that. I'm just hearing story after story of Give It Aided on Gannon. Beautiful, beautiful stories. Kindness is a culture, you see. It's not a program. I want to seep deep into who we are at Vineyard Church in Gannon. It would be cool if we became known as the people who are generous, who are kind, who serve, who you can depend on, who show up and who are reliable. I know that our reputation is like that. But this kind of thing, it has to be a lifestyle. You, you have to spend time. You've got to start hanging around with Jesus and follow. You're not going to pick this up. It's not a program. We're not going to all of a sudden leave here today and be kind people. We've got to start becoming like him. Hang around with him. Get into prayer. Rest your soul in Jesus. Become like God. Allow him to saturate and to permeate who you are and your character. And once you start hanging about with him a bit more, you just can't help but being like him. Being kind people. And people will know that you're hanging about with him more. Uh, one of the things that Michelle always asks me, and I always know where it's coming from, she, it's like, she calls it accountability. I call it something else. <laughs> if my attitude changes a bit, she always says to me, have you been spending any time with Jesus this week? And that just makes me want to spend time with Jesus more. <laughs> or can I ask you a question? Have you been reading much this week? Have you been praying much this week? Because it just leaks, right? It just leaks, honestly, it leaks. If I'm not spending time with the Father, it leaks. So when I am spending time with the Father, it's easier to be kind. It's not a program, people. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. I'll finish up. Before we started any Sunday gatherings, I was reminded this week I was chatting to Ali. Is he here? Big rotor man. He's away too. That's sick. Was he sitting on this side or was he sitting on that side? <laughs> well, anyway, I was saying to Ali, 
I forgot what I was saying there. I was saying to Ali, I remember when we started church and when we first start, thought we would do church, it was in Macrofelton. What we would do in my day off is I would take Caleb out and we would go outside Macrofelton supermarket. We'd go into the pound shop and buy a big box of lollipops and we'd just give them out to people. And we did the same thing when we came here to, to Dungannon. We'd just go out in the streets before we did any services, before we had any programs. We just wanted to be known for kindness. And I hope that that doesn't in any way have a hint of uh, bravado. Just saying that's not being kind, is it? That's just being sales pitchy. But anyway, out of that, let me, let me get to this, where I want to go with that. One of my favorite stories of, of planting a church here, uh, it's always stuck in the back of my mind. One of the days, the, the guys would go out and they revisited a certain house of a guy that they'd finished visited before. They used to give out milk and, and biscuits and chocolate bars and different stuff. Oh, do you want to hear a really funny story? This is like, some things are good, some things are not so good. So, like, not everything works in the kindness journey. So, one Valentine's Day, we decided to go out and give chocolate hearts out to people knock on people's doors at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning in the housing estate. So I'm knocking, knocking, knocking. Down comes this big muscle-bound Eastern European on his dressing gown. And I've just woke him up, right? Picture the scene. Eastfield. Guy comes to the door. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me and saying, what is the problem, mate? Oh, I haven't crossed the line saying that. I'm standing with these chocolate love hearts. <laughs> and then my words that leave my mouth, just want to show you God's love <laughs> in a practical way. Have a nice day. <laughs> He's not yet showed up at Vineyard yet, but... Uh... Oh, but here's a better story. Here's a better story. So one of the guys returned back to the house of a gentleman, and I don't know, I don't think he's living anymore in Dungannon, and there was nothing in the house. There was no wallpaper. There was nothing in the house. But above the fireplace, stuck on to the bare walls with all the scrapes and dents and uh, cracks in the wall was this one card. God loves you. And he woke up every day to that image that regardless how rubbish life was that God loved him and that's the kindness of Jesus it's not it's not clever is it it doesn't have to be big or enormous or strategic it does have to be creative because the God who created us is still working creativity in us right the God who created humanity and the world and the, and, the, and the galaxies, the God that creates is still working creativity in us. And one of the ways that he wants to get the creativity out of us and into the world is just through simple acts of kindness. Kindness. I'll finish with a text, one of my favorite texts. What does it do? What does the act of kindness do? It, it softens a heart. It changes the world. Oh, Jason, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. Listen to, listen to this text in Romans 2 and 4. In kindness. This is God of the universe. This is Father God. And in this Father's Day, hear this. Hear him, hear him, hear him. Listen to Close your eyes, even. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand. Security. Security. And he leads us 
into a radical life change. In kindness, he takes me by the hand, not in, not in judgmental ways, and not in Jason, you've screwed up time and time again. But in kindness, he takes me by the hand. And when God takes you by the hand, man, you can change the world. You can, you, you'll, you'll repent. Of course you will. When you fall in love with a kind father, you don't want to do what, what you've been doing. You see, the gospel of Jesus is a kind gospel. It's a gospel of kindness. It's a gospel of love. And love changes everything. And I don't know about you, but I've tried to argue people into the kingdom, and I've tried to win arguments in the kingdom, and I've tried to prove to people that there's a God out there, and I've tried to be clever with it. But I find more and more and more and more, the older I get, it's that the kindness of God changes the heart of even the most hardened. Because God is kind, isn't he? Let's just finish up there. Would you stand? So if you're okay with it, if you're comfortable, would you just put your hands out? I just want to pray that God would just reorientate our hearts again towards his Hasid, his continual kindness. And I know, guys, it's hard at times. We get away from him and we get away from it. It's inevitable. And so as a church this morning, I want us to live the kingdom story and I want us to be known as a place and a house of kindness. And it is. Indeed it is, and it's wonderful. I mean, I'm only 47, but sometimes I feel like this proud father and grandfather. When I hear the God gossip through our streets and, and workplaces, when I hear people talk about your kindness, I do feel undone by it all. So God, again, with your kindness, would you change our hearts? But I thank you for this place, this community of faith. That not just once a year, but every day and weeks and months when we feel like it and don't feel like it, they put your kindness on display. We thank you that these people are not known for their judgment, but for their kindness. God, that we would start to change society's thinking. That we would become the culture innovators the expression of heaven on earth, God, that we would reverberate and God, that we would echo what life is like in the kingdom in its fullness, God. That we would become the image bearers of the Elohim, the plurality Godhead, that we would, we would reflect your kindness, Father. And so I just pray for those this morning, God, that have not got the, the picture that causes intense love for you, God, because of past experience or misuse or just you know, hurt or pain, God, whatever it is. Can I pray for you this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray that God would, would you have a fresh picture of the Father, that you'd see this God who takes you by the hand and leads you into life change. I'm going to ask you to be very vulnerable this morning. There's no, there's no pressure by that, Ellie. But if that's you this morning, would you just quickly raise your hand? It's, 
their eyes closed. And sometimes we can get off. Thank you. Anybody else? Just, just we pray that God will give you a fresh picture of himself as a good, kind father. You've lost that. You've seen him as a, a taskmaster, as a, even the most powerful, but he's also the most intimate. Anybody else? I'm, I'm not looking for a, shoot, a lot of hands. It's much